It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin. A spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. One important thing to know is you're still the same person during it. You're stripped down to zero, but it seems that most people come out at the other end feeling more like themselves than ever before. I'm more eager than ever to do what I more than I did. I want to do everything. Powerful words from singer-songwriter Kylie Minogue on the positive side of having breast cancer. Kylie was diagnosed at age 36. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, where good girls go for sexual empowerment. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I'm so happy to be here recording live in Los Angeles at Global Voice Broadcasting. Today, we are going to explore the incredibly important topic of breast cancer survival and sexuality with Elle, the author. Later in the show, we'll shift gears to a fun sex, love, and dating chat with comedian Troy Rawlings. Breast cancer is the most common cancer among women in the United States other than skin cancer. Thankfully, millions of women are now surviving the disease, much thanks to early detection and improvements in treatment. Elle, author of The Fall, is one of these women. You may recognize her from our fab chat on dating abuse just over a year ago. At that time, she had no idea what battles were looming in her path. And get this, she was planning to contribute a story on dating abuse for my upcoming book you'll all learn a lot more about soon when she received her diagnosis. And rather than back out, which would have been totally understandable, she wrote the story anyway, shifting gears to focus on her then current trials with breast cancer and how it has at that time affected her sexuality so far. Um, like her, the story is bold and brilliant. And I'm so glad you're here joining me today. Elle, how are you today? Oh, I'm great. Thank you. That was a, an awesome intro. I want to meet me now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're an That's awesome right. lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, I truly, I am in awe of you. I just, your openness and your, because you've shared so much about your journey and your battle with with cancer from from day one, you've shared, um, you know, with me and with with friends, and then you also shared publicly more than I think a lot of people do. And I feel like we've all learned a lot from you. And I just I'm so moved by your story. Could you take us back to your diagnosis? How did you first realize you potentially had breast cancer? Sure. Well, you know, it's it's ironic. My mother is like pseudo telepathic uber spiritual. I don't know what terminology suits her best, but um, her ability to foreshadow things in life is insane. And she has always told me to to check um, from the age of 30. It did run in my family, but um, not enough to where, for example, health insurance would classify me as high risk. It's There's a case on my mom's side, a case on my dad's side, but, um, but I didn't actually fall under high risk, medically speaking. Um, so I never really thought about it. And I always had very fibrous breasts and, and never really knew what I was looking for anyway. And so I can't say that I was diligent in that respect. Um, it was actually, it was actually my boyfriend. Um, and this is not uncommon from what I hear. 
uh, who got noticed a difference. You know, um, it, we unfortunately aren't generally the ones most familiar with our bodies when we're in an intimate relationship. Sometimes it's it's uh, those who love us. And so he he put it on my radar with some concern. I kind of shrugged it off. And I was fairly lucky that a girlfriend of mine I went to college with um, lives here in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I had just moved less than a year prior at the time and been wanting to connect with her. And, and we did dinner. And it turns out that she does biopsies for breast cancer. And uh, it came up casually in conversation. I said I'd come in, but nobody uh, at any point, including the OBGYN I visited regularly, who I pointed it out to, everyone thought, eh, cyst. You know, you, I was 35 at the time. Um, so it was very much a, hey, let's just get that possibility off the table. Um, I don't think anyone really saw that it was going to come up positive. And, and that diagnosis came back the very end of February um, last year, 2015. Wow. And you found out that you had or that it was cancerous. And as I understand it, you didn't know many details beyond that at first. Is that right? That is. You know, I assume most people who are told they have cancer have a similar journey. I imagine not all, but when they find cancer, that's kind of all they can tell you. At least if you go in and get the biopsy and go the route that I did, um, something seems abnormal. They pull it and they word it very diplomatically. They always say something like, you know, we found cancer cells or yes, there's a, there's a sign of cancer cells, something that sounds extremely containable, (laughs) you know, and and then they say, well, we're going to need to do some more tests. But the, the fact of the matter is, is it, it is a very scary time because you realize that they're, they can't tell you anything. They can't tell you what stage. They can't tell you if it's metastasized, meaning, you know, it's spread to other parts of the body. Um, there's really nothing they can tell you other than we need you to go through tests and you're going to have to wait for all of this to come back. Um, cancer is one of the most multidisciplinary diseases in that you don't really have a cancer doctor. There's, a, there's an oncologist, um, and he's sort of the nucleus of all information. Everything feeds into him, and, and he's uh, – I have an amazing one. They're, they're amazing, but they, they lean very much on the results of other doctors and the, um, their expertise to, to kind of paint a picture of what your particular cancer looks like. And it's always a specific puzzle that's married to you, and there's always going to be some missing pieces because it's a diagnosis that we don't fully understand. So um, – so yeah, it kind of it starts you down a journey that I think is at least for somebody like myself complicated by the lack of information. Um, and as somebody who has no problem facing things, if I kind of know what I'm going up against, mm. not really understanding uh, what was before me, I think has been the hardest part. I can I can only imagine. And how long between? you're realizing that you had cancer cells, did you have to wait to find out exactly what was going on? Yeah, for me, it it happened in a pretty expedited fashion. Um, I work from home and my company was very forgiving about my schedule that week. So it was literally two to three doctor's appointments a day, shuttling all across greater Charlotte. Um, but I think I received the diagnosis. My girlfriend called me that Sunday to prepare me for what I would hear on Monday. Um, by Friday, they actually were able to come back to me and say, okay, we've, we've got a good picture to figure out how to start treating you. And the picture for me was something between stage one and stage two, which is more descriptive of the size 
um, than anything. It doesn't really speak to it's how aggressive it is. Um, that is a different portion. Um, mine was interesting actually because I'm both estrogen positive and what's called HER2 positive. Um, HER2 positive is, is historically a very aggressive type of cancer. And before certain uh, medicines came out not terribly long ago, um, it was considered quite deadly. Luckily, um, there's it's it's not necessarily the same now. In fact, there's some excellent medication on on the market for it um, for most. Uh, but I was told that I was HER2 positive, estrogen positive, uh, stage one, stage two, but it didn't seem to be growing very quickly, and uh, they hadn't found it in any surrounding areas. Um, but they said that there was no way to conserve the breast because of the tumor size, and so having a mastectomy was going to be necessary and having chemotherapy was going to be necessary um, in what order was kind of up, up in the air for a while. And, and I ended up electing for a double mastectomy. Uh, some of it because I didn't want to go through this again and another breast and a lot of it for vanity's sake. Um, if you're going to take one, you might as well take both. Um, so it was kind of a, a win-win. It just made the whole decision easier for me to say, let's Let's uh, let's go in and do that and, and remove the tissue that seems to be most at risk for developing cancer. Um, and then elected on four rounds of, of chemotherapy that I just recently finished, I guess, about Yay. two months ago. Wow. Wow. And what is chemo like? We hear, you know, just some basic things we imagine. We, what we see on TV, for example, is people getting very sick and being in pain for a while, losing their hair. Mm-hmm. What does it actually feel like? And do those kind of TV depictions, are they pretty accurate? Yeah, no, that's totally fair. And for the record, I want to thank you for asking questions like that because I, you know, about that Friday when I had the the picture painted for me and when I um, kind of felt like my head was a little bit not in some weird time-space vacuum, um, I went straight to social media and told people about it because I didn't want anyone tiptoeing around it. And I thought, God, there's so many questions I still don't have answered. And still to this day, I, I don't see much research on um, that. I, I love the opportunity to speak about you know, some of the more difficult stuff. So chemo for me um, was probably, uh, I guess I'm quote unquote lucky that I was young and in good health. <laughs> I, I don't really even get sick that much. So um, you know, I, I certainly uh, would say that I, I had a stronger constitution than many, especially women who get diagnosed later in, in life. So, you know, round one um, wasn't terrible. I mean, I felt really, so day one and day two is a, a head cloud. And some of that's probably the pre-meds that they give you a lot of Benadryl. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was definitely not not real clear on what time it was throughout the day and kind of spacey. And then for me, it kind of, it settled into, um, everything tasted very strange. Um, nothing tasted right, which doesn't sound horrible, but actually when you're in it, it really affects what you eat when everything tastes really chemical and you kind of feel chemical anyway. Um, and that kind of dovetails into, for me, what happened about a week into it, which was horrible digestive problems. It, It really eradicated um, everything in my body, all the probiotics. And so I had a a horrible time trying to digest food. Um, a little nausea, although the medications 
they give you now are, are pretty spectacular. If your body responds to them and minded just fine. Um, nausea is actually not on the top of the list. I think, um, that sometimes that that's a, a misconception. Um, and of course there's a, a lot of fatigue, but the thing about chemotherapy is that it builds. So, you know, that first round I thought, ah, oh, okay, I've had food poisoning worse than this. I can handle this. And you stay strong and you stay positive. And, and round two, um, was a little harder, but I kind of, you know, I figured, eh, maybe I pushed it a little too much in round in round one, I got a little cocky. I'll pull back a little bit, not exercise. I was still trying to go to the gym, you know, and then by round three, I realized, yeah, this is, um, it's, it's comprehensive and, and all of the symptoms sort of, they, they worsened. So, so by the time round four hit, um, I have to be honest, the, the best way I can describe it is your, it, it fried the motherboard for me. Um, it, it really just, it takes all desire of anything away because you, your sex drive is gone. Your hormones have been just neutralized completely. Um, your taste buds, all, any, any sensory, uh, acclimation that you've developed that leads to pleasure has been taken from you. And so, you know, how your body responds to certain things that that's all personal. And, and mine was, like I said, I think I still made it out pretty lucky. I don't think I have any long-term side effects, but I think every woman goes through that lack of pleasure from even the simplest things that we really take for granted. Wow. And what helped you most get through that, that darkest time? Oh, it was an aggregate uh, effort, I would say. Um, I have a wonderful boyfriend who, uh, you know, when we found this out, we'd been dating less than a year. We'd known each other for a while and kind of casually known each other. But, um, you know, I'd say we were maybe seven, eight months. I guess I should know that maybe. But it was was something like that into the relationship. And I, he'd actually, his brother had gone through cancer. So he'd already had to deal with it in his life. And I remember looking over at him. He was sitting right next to me when I got the phone call and telling him. And one of the first things I said was, you, you can go, you know, this is, this is a huge chunk and you didn't sign up for this, you know? And I, I did not, there wasn't an ounce of self-pity in my voice. In fact, I kind of want, I didn't want to put that up on him, you know? So I, I thought, Hey, a mutual parting of ways now probably makes the most sense. And and he wouldn't hear of it. And in fact, he came home with me to tell my parents and um, has stayed as strong by my side through the ups and downs. And boy, are there emotional ups and downs. So oh, he yeah. has been a trooper. An oh. absolute trooper. That's so yeah, great. And I can speak for his awesomeness. I had the pleasure of meeting him. And you two are just you glow together. I know that sounds cliche, but you're so, you just seem very well suited. So I'm so glad you have that in your life. So wonderful. Thank you. Me too. I'm so glad you mentioned also the pleasure issues and the sexual issues because it's very interesting. I actually wrote an article recently for KY about, it was assigned to me about sexuality after breast cancer. And it was actually kind of difficult to research Mm -hmm. because even though it's a type of cancer directly affected. I mean, it's it's inseparable from your sexuality, our our breasts and our hormones and all of this, but there was so little information. Uh, how, oh, it's sad. Yeah, yeah it yeah. is sad. It is sad. Uh, wh- how other, what other ways has it impacted your sexuality, I guess, 
early on and and perhaps even moving forward? Because I know it can take a while and you're still pretty new into this. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. You know, that's, once you kind of get the, the basics of learning the cancer down, and I'm, I'm a researcher. Not every woman, I think, goes into it wanting to know every single aspect of the history of cancer. Um, but I, I didn't know how not to, to want that. So I've been, I just dove into, you know, every piece of research material I could find. And once the basics were covered, I went straight to how is this going to affect my sex drive? How is this going to affect my relationship? Because to me, that's, that's not some secondary collateral damage that's tethered completely to my quality of life. And I wanted to know how the treatments they were suggesting were going to affect that. I, I was 35, I'm 36. That's, I don't even know if it matters what age, but for me, that, that, that felt way too young to just blindly go into something that may irreversibly affect in a negative manner, my, my sexual being, which has always been, I thought, very healthy and a huge part of me. So there was nothing. I found very little. And what I did found, find was, um, was really, um, very negative. And you kind of expect it to be, but they were just really disheartening statistics and all self-reported though. So I had to wonder, okay, well, kind of like, you know, a complaint line. Well, people love to call and complain. Do they always send in a survey if they got really good service? No, probably not. So is there, you know, what, what do I not know? What is not being, um, what is not being communicated properly? And how do I get that information? And I, I, I can honestly say I haven't yet. That's why it's important to me to be a voice because I want to help complete that picture for women going through it. Um, for me, my breasts were always my first and greatest erogenous zone. I absolutely adored them. I thought they were amazing. Um, I, I guess it's not bragging since I don't own them anymore, but um, I, I missed them. I, I thought they were great and I had to lose them. And that is actually what I, I uh, focus some of my essay in your book about is that was sort of the day before surgery. Oh my gosh, you know, this is being taken from me. And that was really hard. But you have to also assume, and I'm learning that it can be true that, you know, you take one thing away and it kind of strengthens everything else. You take one sense away and the rest of them sharpen. And that's not untrue about, I think, erogenous zones and sexuality. Um, I do know that my sex drive went down to very little to nothing during the treatment, but I felt so bad. I, you know, I think it was just everything went down to, to nothing. So it, it'd be unfair to single that out. Um, having a very patient boyfriend who I had a very healthy sex life with beforehand has been instrumental. And we have kept the uh, lines of communication very open and there's very little that we haven't said. And I, I, I think that's been really critical. I also talked about it with my doctor who was surprised. He said, well, since you mentioned it and women almost never do, I'd like to get your input, which I found very interesting. Wow. Wow. I know. It's great that he asked you. I mean, because I think that takes some uh, to be to be humble enough to say, you know what? Let me ask the person who's dealing with it because. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And he, you know, and it was only after I opened the door because clearly he was under the impression, and I can understand why, that women do not want to talk about cancer and chemo and their sex life. Um, I can report now, like I said, I'm about two, two and a half months maybe out of 
treatment, uh, chemo. I still have other treatments, but I'm, I'm out of chemo and my sex drive is coming back. My normalcy is coming back. It is a slow burn and it's frustrating as anything else ever can be. Um, but I think that having the right mentality, uh, cannot be overstated because sex is so for me at least uh, tied to my mindset and my how I feel about myself that day and am I in a good mood and can I relax and um am I turned on you know all the all the myriad aspects they 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 are always going to be the same and so I just like after cancer I mean when I had tissue expanders and my boobs weren't even boobs they were balloons with nipples pointing in different directions my boyfriend and I could laugh about it and, and we would still have moments and it, it was, it, we knew it was temporary and he really didn't care. He made it a point to say, you know, I wasn't dating your boobs. I'm not dating your boobs now. <laughs> um, so I, I really can't overstate how important his uh, take on it had been. Otherwise, I can imagine um, you're in a very fragile place. And so, you know, if you aren't dating, it might be a, a good time to just sort of focus on yourself because I can look back and say, wow, I really did hang a lot on the person in front of whom I was going to be naked every day as I was, you know, digestively a little bit screwed up and my boobs were in different places at different times. And you just, you feel like a work of, you know, Picasso at times. So you have to, choose who you surround yourself with intimately and otherwise, I think, very, very carefully. Excellent advice. That is so important. And I think, you know, universal to no matter what we're going through, it's it's important when we're going through hard times to make sure our, our support network is, is only positive. Um, I know yes. that the arts are huge in your life. You're a brilliant writer. Uh, you have your first novel, The Fallout. You've talked already from the beginning. I think you were talking about writing another book about that involved <laughs> breast cancer. What do you hope that people will most learn from or gain from your experiences, either in in the actual true story version or through your fiction? I think. You know, the, the true story, I kind of, I feel like I'm still living it. And I've, I've been slow to write the sequel because I feel like I'm not at a place to be able to look back on it yet. I'm still kind of in the middle of it. Um, but yes, the sequel will absolutely have uh, the journey I'm going through now as a focal point. Um, as always, I write from a place of inspiration and um, experience. But I think that... Uh, what I would want is, to me, good writing, regardless of who the character is, regardless of whether or not it's young or old or male or female, a, a good writer can bring a level of humanity to a character that resonates. Something in their lives or something in their head um, makes you feel like they're sympathetic characters, e even the biggest villains, right? And so as as you know, I kind of work through this and have my social media voice and, and then do my writing and release my sequel. I hope that there's a level of humanity that I can maintain and bring to the character so that whether or not you've gone through cancer or know someone who has, or you're just going through a personal struggle that makes you feel the same way that I felt and my characters may feel, I just hope it's able to resonate in a way that feels truthful. Um, I mean, that's always my goal. I think regardless of the, 
the tumult that that exists either in my life or those of my characters. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I just love talking with you and we are cheering for you so much perpetually and, and wishing you all the best. Thank you so much. Well, you're always a pleasure to speak to and I appreciate all your kind words. Thank you. Isn't she fantastic? To learn more about Elle and her work, please visit her website, lvauthor.com. That's L-E-L-L-E, theauthor.com. You can also find a link in today's show notes. Before I bring in our next guest, here's a related question from another beautiful breast cancer survivor. Evelyn emailed me this. Hi, ladies. I love Girl Boner and always look forward to Dr. Megan's answers, also very needed. I know you're doing a show on breast cancer soon, and I have a related question. I had a double mastectomy last year and now have implants. I'm having trouble not feeling insecure about them. They're harder than my natural breasts were and less sensitive, and I have scars. My partner doesn't seem to have a problem with them at all. She wants me to feel more comfortable, though. Any tips for feeling sexier with my new bionic breasts? (laughs) Haha. Thanks so much, Evelyn. Such a great question, Evelyn. Here is what Dr. Megan Fleming had to say. Hi, Evelyn. This is a great question, and the fact that you can even sort of joke about your new bionic breasts with the ha um, really just shows me that it's that kind of you know levity, that ability to look at a situation, um, having come out the other side of being treated for breast cancer and a survivor, and to recognize with everything you've been through with the double mastectomy and reconstruction, um, to sort of see your breasts as sort of bionic. And the part that I love about that is although you're certainly noticing that they feel not the same. There's not as much sensation in them and that they're sort of more firm than that you're used to, that they actually also represent your survival, your strength, your health, and your, your healing. And the same thing is true for scars. I've worked with um, countless breast cancer survivors and other cancer survivors in my years when I was working at Sloan Kettering. And it was one of the things I loved uh, speaking at Gilda's Club and Share and other organizations because so often addressing sexuality um, and the impact of cancer and its treatment on one's sex life and intimacy with their partners is in my mind too often excluded um, and certainly isn't, uh, there's not nearly enough education out there to help people even know what to expect, much less how to resume intimacy. And then also just how do you cope and make sense of all these changes in your body and your sexual response? So I can't tell from your question, you know, how important was breast caressing to you sort of before your diagnosis? Um, because I know in my experience for some women, it's incredibly uh, important. In fact, some women can even orgasm through nipple play, while for other women, they've actually always felt that they were too sensitive or they've just never been comfortable. And so I think importantly, it's, it's a frame of mind is sort of what I'm hearing in your question that you are aware your partner actually doesn't notice, observe, or in any way feel um, uncomfortable about your body or your breasts. And again, you have to remember the biggest sex organ is our mind. And so the question is whether, what would help you to relax and just to receive and enjoy her touch? Um, and I'm also knowing you said the surgery was about a year ago. And so although it's true, you will never uh, probably, well, you won't regain the level of sensitivity that you once had. Uh, it's certainly true just a year out. You might still get a little bit more over time. Um, but I think the most important thing is just getting your mind into the right 
uh, place to receive pleasure, to receive touch. And if you're distracted by your breasts, you know, again, wear a, a pretty camisole, uh, use candles, low lighting, you know, whatever it takes to help you get more comfortable being in your body and enjoying the experience with your partner, maybe eye gazing and just taking all the time that you need and exploring all the other ways in which, um, you know, your lower back, your behind your ear, what are the other places and really do sort of what I call erotic mapping to fully explore each other's bodies and help each other really enhance every opportunity to create pleasure by losing yourself in the moment and in the exploration. So I hope this answer is helpful and I'm so glad you asked it because it's not only on behalf of yourself, but on behalf of so many other women and their partners. Thank you. Wonderful advice as always, Dr. Megan. Thank you. I hope it's helpful in your journey, Evelyn, and that you are continually able to see your beauty inside and out. To learn more about Dr. Megan, visit her website, greatlifegreatsex.com, and follow her on Twitter at Megan Fleming PhD. You know what else is super important for living a healthy, happy, empowered life? Fun and laughter, which Elle alluded to a bit in her own journey was important. I happen to know just the guy to bring us them. Troy Rawlings is a self-proclaimed entertainment brat who says he is walking in his purpose. He's been involved with all aspects of the entertainment industry most of his life and has performed comedically alongside a whole bunch of world-class performers. In 2007, he started Taboo Talk Live, a talk show and conversational forum on sex, love, relationships, and everything in between with best-selling author Yonder. You're going to hear a lot more about his project coming up soon. Thank you for joining me, Troy. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. That's so great. nice to be here in this space with you. I've been enjoying your um, online presence and I've watched some of your videos and I love that you pair comedy with love advice and a lot of really, you know, some empowering tips for, for couples and whatnot. What led you to, because I've never really seen a, a comedian do that. I, um, believe it or not, 1986, when I first, I, w- I was 11 years old. <laughs> no, <it doesn't. laughs> I was 11 years old, 1986, and my best friend Vincent Willie and I, rest in peace, Vince, went to see, paid our money during the day to go to the Twin Movie Theater in Baltimore, Maryland, Rice's Town Road. People, people who get this, they can be like, "Oh my God, I remember the Twin." Uh, during the day. And paid money to see Raw, Eddie Murphy Raw. And I had seen comedians before. I love comedic actors. I love, you know, I think I talked about it in my bio from that from that website. Uh, John Ritter, Jerry Lewis. You know, of course, I love Richard Pryor and stuff. But that was when I got older and understood more what they were saying. But at 11, going to see Eddie Murphy Raw, it was the most hilarious thing I ever saw. And I got it. And Raw, different from Delirious, he talked a lot about relationships. And my mother was very open talking to me about relationships. It changed our relationship because she was the disciplinarian. So one day she went into my bedroom. I was asleep and she saw my middle school yearbook and she pulled it up and she was like going through the yearbook and she saw what the girls were writing. And because she had had a situation where she was molested at a young age, started having sex young. She figured, oh, okay, my middle school son is having sex. These girls are writing. What were they writing? Oh, it was, it was just she said she saw that a girl wrote, I forgot the girl's name, pretty white girl, 
she was like, uh, she wrote something like, I say, I say white girl, not, I call it all women sisters. I say white girl because we kind of, they closed our, our elementary school in Canfield area. And we kind of infiltrated a Jewish school. So when you got this interracial connection, you had some fights and boyfriend and girl. It, I, I know the parents lost their mind. Boyfriend and girlfriends fight. We became the best of friends, most of the people. It was the best thing that could happen. But this girl wrote, Troy, you know, da-da-da, nice meeting, even though you are a pervert, psych. And she said that's what she read. Ah, uh, okay. That's not what mom read. There was a girl named Tracy Jones. Oh, you still remember the name and everything. Oh, psh- Hands down. Hello, Tracy. Tracy. Hey, Tracy. She's probably like a <laughs> minister's wife now. And she's heard this story a hundred times. Like, why do you keep telling that story? She wrote in there, Troy, mm, with your sexy lips and your fine self, let's try to hook up over the summer and we can have sex. And don't worry, I do not bleed. She wrote that in your yearbook? Did you hear what I just said? Yes. <laughs> You're kidding. That's why when I hear... Like I used to work with youth and young adults, and we uh, we had this like hip hop group. We were doing stuff with, with churches and ministries and talking to young people. But I didn't come in ch- up in church. The thing they loved the most is we could relate to them. And I, when I hear people talking about young people nowadays and the stuff they're doing, I'm just like, I don't know where y'all came up at, but in elementary and middle school, in my middle school, it was a girl named Tracy Jones. <laughs> <laughs> you got an example. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but she, that's but, but my mother pulled me up and was like, "What do you know about sex?" I was like, well, you know, when you do it, I might have been like 12, 11. It was after I seen Raw. When you do it, you know, and it's, ah, a girl has a vagina. And <laughs> she started breaking down everything. Plus, my mother was a nurse. And she said, look, you can always come to me and talk to me about anything about sex and girls and stuff. And you're not going to get in trouble. You can just wow. be open with me. And I was like, and she was like, I'd rather you get it from me than to get out in the streets because they're not going to give you, the, you know. So it changed our relationship. So I was coming to her, hey, Ma, what about? So you took her up on that. You would come up to her and just ask. That is amazing. I wish more parents uh, made that effort. I think so many are uncomfortable because they never had those conversations. My daughter's three. And she's not saying my my private part. She was like, my vagina. Yeah, because I don't want you saying the wrong thing. Awesome. Good for you. (laughs) But it's going to run into some problems later in elementary school. I'm going to get that call. Mr. Rollins, can you come up to the school? Uh, we having a conversation with Zoe about vaginas right involve us, right? And Zoe told me something I didn't know, so you need to get up here, like. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, oh, wow! So she, so your mom started these conversations, and you would go up and ask her. Did you learn anything in school about sex, or was? Sex oh yeah. It, yeah, we had. It wasn't like I don't think they have the sex ed that we had. You know, sex ed back then. I, I remember seeing. I remember seeing elephantitis. Oh. Do you know what that is? I've seen it in the it's foot. It's a type of yeah, yeah, right. Is there but, a kind that's gentle? But it looks like a foot when it hits your penis. So it it looked like an elephant. I remember them showing it on the screen. And a friend of mine, the comedian Tony Tony Baker, was talking about this too. But I used to tell people, I remember seeing stuff on the screen. It's like, oh, this is what happens when you don't wear a condom. He's like, oh, my Lord. <laughs> oh my Y'all God. know what this is? And they just guess. You know what this is? No. That's a penis. It was like. It looks like an elephant foot. It's actually called elephantitis. So sex ed was, if you have sex, this could happen. This could happen. Or pregnancy. Right. Which <laughs> but this was like, oh, my God. what? It didn't fall out. It was like, no, your penis is not going to fall off, but it will grow into another appendage. And see those eyes? It was like, oh, my Lord. You know, it's <laughs> it was different. So we're in a day and age that the hip-hop artists are not wearing any clothes and people are doing this and people are seeing sex and you know kids can get porn on their phone they do you know really they can watch porn and on their phone and they have they, questions about sex they just google it they just google it and they can find out everything i just read that just now of course they may not be googling all the stuff the thing my mother couldn't teach me 
and that I'm still developing learning is about love. So the sex part is easy for most parents. And when we started, we started, I was doing comedy for years, but I was doing publicist work for the author Yonder. He has a book, What What I Do is Taboo. You can check him out at yonderpresents.com and you can check me out at relationshipcomedy.com for this quick plug. Uh, <laughs> but he had a book like Arthur Zane or Danielle Steele or Harlequin. It was like, you know, we're having, I don't know what I can and can't say on the show. Anything but, really. Uh, we were fucking on the floor. Boom. Okay. You know, as soon as you open the book, it's 69 pages, first book. So we did a little book tour in Baltimore at the malls. And I was noticing that the women were coming up and they were asking questions to us that I thought they talked to other women about. Like and what? this was this. Oh, well, why is it that, you know, I got my own stories and stuff, but why is it that when my man gets home from work and I go down, you know, undo his pants and go down to suck his dick, he pushes me away. I was like, uh, I ain't never heard no stuff like that before. Uh, with, were you always sucking his dick when he came home from work? Is this a new thing you started doing? And I joke about it, but I, but I, you know, I'm a comedian, so I embarrass myself as nothing. I say, well, you know, a lot of times when a man gets home from work, he's still at work okay. in his head. We take longer to deprogram. And I noticed we were having these conversations with women. They come and buy a book and stay for the two hours of the book. And they, a crowd of women in the middle of a mall. People are like, what y'all doing? And it helps selling books. But I realized that people weren't really talking about sex. And see, this this woman didn't want to tell her girlfriends that I think my man is having an affair because he don't want me to suck his dick. Which most women are probably thinking if their man doesn't want to have sex with them or doesn't want them they to do something. They take it personally. They sure. take it personally. Yeah. Oh, men are supposed to always know. Men are emotional beings too. And they're humans. They're, they're not just walking pieces. And we do yeah. not know how to express ourselves as good as women. So when we get blocked, you know, there's a, there's a scripture that says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. When we get a block or we're not thinking about, like, you ever call it, if you call your boyfriend or your man at work, women do this all the time. Hey, baby, you busy? Yeah, I'm at work. You want to change his tone and really get him spiced up for the evening. Hey, baby, busy. Yeah, I'm at work. I just wanted you to know I'm going to suck your dick when you get home. What? My son fell off the cliff. Oh, no, no, Bob. Wait, wait. My son fell. He, is he dead? I'm leaving now. <laughs> you know, rearrange his mind. You know, so plant seeds before you just start. Same thing. We always yeah. tell the men, hey, call your wife. Say, send us happy text. This, that, and the other. Yeah. Ladies, if you know your guy likes to get sucked, let him know that, hey, tell him. when you get home. Yeah. You know, I love some, I, you know, I love a, you know, some Moscato. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it interesting how uh, how little people talk about sex, even with the person? Because, like you, people will ask me lots of different questions mm-hmm. that they aren't comfortable talking to their partner about. There's so much shame around sexuality. They make it taboo, and the only yeah. thing that's really taboo is telling the truth. And I try to get, I try to take off. The shock of it all. I did a I did a Periscope recently. Shout out to my Periscope people, and I'll, I'll be blasting this all over the place when it when it when it goes up. But I did a Periscope recently on dick pics because everybody was when was like, "What is it, Troy, about guys sending dick pics?" And I was like, "Well, what were y'all talking about?" No, 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 Troy. Unsolicited dick pics. I was like, "Unsolicited dick pics." Oh yeah, it happens. <gasps> and it's like and it's, so it's, it's like weird. you say hi, you meet a guy. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? You look beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. I hit you later. Okay, next thing you know, boop. they're tweeting you. Oh, perfect. yeah. <laughs> And I was like, nothing? And I was like, well, ladies, you got to remember, we're creatures of habit. So if you go into a relationship and you're, you're feeling this guy and you're done, the first time you kiss him, you're going to kiss him like the last person you kissed. Same with the guy. So if he was with these females that thought, oh, my God, your penis is huge. 
that's all the guy got to hear. He's like, I can't wait to show off my penis. And now I don't got to whip it out. I just find the best picture. Hey. <laughs> He's got a collection. I said, and ladies, I said, ladies, you shouldn't get offended by that because if you don't want to go there with him, he just showed you where his mind is. Ah, so, so it's a direct. You don't have to go through the argument. I thought he was this. I thought he was that. He showed you right up front. And if you're really offended, you can say, oh, man, that's it's not really as expressive as I thought it would be. Maybe we should you know, go our separate ways. Believe me, he will never contact you again. If you tell a guy his, his penis isn't impressive. <laughs> okay. Good. You know, if you so want to, Oh, if yeah. you, tell, Oh, that's not, I thought you know it would have been it's, a lot bigger than that. You know, just, you yeah. Know, mess yeah. his whole world up. I mean, but literally which you shouldn't be, be the point, but to be honest and to yeah. be, to be straightforward yeah. and to see it as kind of, which is, it's interesting what you just said that some people just may expect, they're used to expressing themselves that way because, because it's the it's kind of the sign of the times. Yeah. And some people really do. I had a, a girlfriend in, in Minnesota, which is where I'm from, who would send me dick pics of her partner and then of other he's a basketball player of his teammates. Oh. <laughs> tell me, that's how she was telling me on these guys. Like, I really want to set you up with this penis, basically. Right. <laughs> And like it was one? the weirdest How's thing because like, uh, I didn't, you know, that was not my language. Like, that's not what the space I had been in when I was looking for uh, someone to date. Even casually, I wasn't right. really just going by that. Right, right, so right, it was right. very shocking to me. But now it happens so much more, you know, so that's that's really interesting. So it's, you've learned a lot through talking with people. It sounds oh like. Oh, my goodness. It's people. The biggest thing that I learned when we first started the tour and I turned it into I stepped back one day and I said, you know what? We need to make this a form. We'll include the book. We'll include some food, some drink. You get people eating and drinking and having a good time, include the book, and we'll let them talk openly. And then when I started doing my comedy shows more, I was like, you know what? My mission is to help men and women communicate better in love. So let me let them put their questions in a bucket anonymously. And during the show, since I have a gift of improv, I'll pull the questions. I'll go off of them. I'll, we'll do some comedy. I can throw, you know, I've got a bunch of material. I throw stuff in there. But it became huge. We started in the back of a bookstore with 20 people. By the end of the year, we had 1,200 people in the ballroom. Wow. In Baltimore, in D.C. And, and they spent in four hours at our forum in our chill event instead of going to a party. Women are packing. Women are packing a place out talking about sex. And love. And I'm trying to get guys. Guys like, man, I can't find good girls. I'm like, dude, big, tall, short, and small. They are at our event. And they after the event, they horny. Because they've been talking about sex the whole time. And, and women get horny. sexier than that. Oh, women love it. And yeah. he's like, what are you talking about? They, women get horny off of talking? Dude, just me? come. <laughs> yeah. It was the hardest thing to get guys to come. And then they come out and guys were like, yeah, I'm ready for this. Because everybody has that battle of the sexes mentality. Mm. And we're not doing the battle of the sexes bullshit. I'm like, I don't do that. I, I want you to leave here texting somebody that you shouldn't be texting or getting with your boo. And I hope you talk home like, go home to talk like this. But I'm not judging anybody beautiful so that's what they feel when people feel you're being honest and open i say look i don't care if you're a virgin or if you were sucking dick in the hallway we're all on the same playing field don't judge nobody and they come in and they get open in any culture any you know we have a ball what are some of the more obscure questions that you've received besides the dick pic one which may have been common actually right that was recent that was that was like several people just was putting that on the periscope and i said i'm going to do a periscope specifically about that and when I broke down the thing, I was like, don't get so offended. It's, I'm taking this. I'm trying to take the stigma off of it so people can hear and look at the person. And I said, if you, and if you think the guy was cool and you wanted to find deeper, tell him, hey, I'm not really there. That's not my style. And he might say, oh, I'm sorry. I just I, you know what? I didn't know. Brain fart. Sorry. Yeah. I maybe just, his intentions were awesome. <laughs> his intentions might have been, well, to still have sex with you. I guess sure. <laughs> I just wanted you to know ahead of time that. It's a this, pretty this is straightforward a, message. Right, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm blessed, I guess. Do you like this? Uh, yeah. Um, 
But uh, question, recent question. I have a few from listeners too. You have a few? Take those. You want to hear one? Yeah, definitely. Throw it in there. So I asked on social media and the Girl Boner communities if they had questions for you. And I got a handful of them here. Uh, One of them is, what is the funniest or strangest thing that's ever happened to you dating or sex-wise? Strangest thing sex-wise. Dating? I don't think I have any strange dating stories. Bunch of strange sex stories. Really? You live in L.A. and you've never had a strange dating story? That's cool. No, maybe because I don't think anything is too strange. Oh, there you go. You know what? It's the definition of strange because you're probably just thinking. Right. You see through it. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, plus I'm a guy. You know, women, I know you guys probably have so many. I think the strangest thing for me in my, my lifetime of dating is learning how to read a woman's intent. It's the hardest thing in the world. Most men don't know. One of the reasons that women get so many dick pics is because guys are so flustered and like, look, I want to cut to the chase. Let me see if she's interested in this or not. If she doesn't like this, we're in trouble. If she does like it, uh, we're in trouble. I don't <laughs> but, but it's it's one of those things where um, you don't know. So I usually I use I'm very good at going by somebody's eyes, looking in somebody's eyes and really and I, I most of the time, if I'm in a serious relationship, I've never really looked at the woman's body ahead of time. I, it was an eye connection. It was the smile that got me. It was the conversation. And then later on, I usually find out, oh, they're shaped like the women I like. <laughs> you know, but I have no real preference body-wise. But I guess the, the strangest thing is is not knowing or or when you go on a date with somebody with the blank stare. You know, and you can, like, walk away and they're still looking at the wall behind you like, this chick is not giving me any eyes. So... She is smart. Well, that could also be the, there's this, we did a series on sociopaths, which a lot of women had contacted me and I, I dated one, possibly two and a half. Um, <laughs> but uh, the stare is very, sometimes there's this, this stare that makes people uncomfortable, but it's interesting because a lot of women will sometimes feel that that is chemistry because there's like this, they can't figure it out, and it's a little scary, which feels yeah. a little exciting, and it's easy to misread. Yeah, so. ladies, if you get a guy that's staring at you and not blinking, he's not listening to you. Mm. That that's he he is focused on eye contact, eye contact, eye contact, and you know because guys' mentality is a little different. If he's if he's looking at you and not blinking, but if he's looking at you and you know he's he's blinking, he has a good pace, and he's nodding what you're saying. Some he's laughing. He's look at his response to what you're saying. If he's just looking at you intently and you doing a couple of jokes and he's still staring at he's you, still at work. he's crazy, right? Or he's crazy. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's not paying attention to what you say. Throwing a quick joke or one liner and said, yeah, you know, one time I dropped one of my toes in the toilet. He's like, oh, okay, nice. Very yeah, nice. and he's Here's like, my dick pic. and he's still right. Nice and you his <laughs> dick pic. It's bigger than a toe. What? That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. But oh, uh, but craziest thing sexually. Still one of the craziest things. Uh, probably has to go back to when I was a young tot and I was dating a girl from the McDonald's. I, I mean, not even dating yet. Dating a girl from McDonald's? Well, I worked at McDonald's. Okay. So there was older. And McDonald's was the joint back then. It was the shit. I mean, it, people were going to McDonald's. Like you the and they were making money. I mean, but it was a high-end McDonald's. Okay. I, don't I know gotcha. if you even understand. Pikesville. Upscale. Yeah. But I'm dating this sister and she's quiet. I'm not really dating her yet. I just invited her over. And I lived pretty much by myself when I was 14 to 17. So I did everything I thought I was big and bad enough to do. And she comes over and we're kicking it and she's 
playing hard to get. We're kissing and we're making out. I didn't realize. Oh, let me tell you something that's funny to me. I didn't know what making out was until I moved to California at 32. Are you serious? I thought making out was fucking. I, I swore up and down when people said making out, it was fucking. Until right. a guy at the blue room, I was there and he's like, yeah, dude, I was over there making out with the girl. I was like, what? Over there? They, they, were, sex? They, were, they were fucking in the booth? He's like, no. Troy. And everybody, you know, I'm the only black guy in there talking. He's like, no, no, Troy. Uh, I wonder how many people kissing. have that idea. Yeah, some people think I didn't know making out was just kissing. I didn't all these years and fondling I, and stuff. It's like to me, it was always clothes on, no insertions. Like it's, it's kissing. <laughs> no insertions. <laughs> that sounds very scientific. It's like, it's a very, <laughs> Would very you like doctor. To get together and not insert each other. Yeah, we're um, insert this needle into your vein. It's like wait, wait, doctor. I don't know you. Yeah. Are you gonna put something on that needle? <laughs> <laughs> but it's it was like she comes over, we start kicking, we kissing everything, and we get into the foreplay. Foreplay. That's what I call making out. <laughs> we get into the foreplay and we start having sex and I live in a townhouse then the walls are thin enough one of those places where I can knock on my wall and my neighbor be like and that's a faux pas I, you never do that in radio forgive me but <laughs> but they can hear it it's 12 o'clock at night school night and I have one of those fake wood beds where it's the new, the big ones, the new headboards that come out that look like they were wood, but they were like some kind of plexi wood and painted on. It looked like it was supposed to be carved and it just flopped easily. And I had never really put in work, so I didn't know it was going to. And she's like, yes, yes, fuck me, fuck me. I'm like 15, 16. I've never heard a girl, woman, somebody yell, fuck me, fuck me like to the to the hill so i stop <laughs> and she's like what why are you stopping i was like uh no because she was quiet and it was me realizing that it wasn't as much the girls that were talking trash and this that and other but this quiet girl was going crazy and each time i started and i started laughing and i was like holding my head and then it got to the point where she one point in time it got crazy and she just got up jumped up i had no i'm 15, 16, I had no idea what squirting was. So she got up, run, and jumped, and I'm sure she didn't even, and ran to the bathroom. I had to, I had to pee. <sighs> and and it was like, I, my whole mind was blown. But by the time I got back to school, I had a reputation. Really? Because she <laughs> my talked neighbor, about it. My neighbor, neighbor talked about it. No, this girl was like in her 20s. But my neighbor was, you know, she listening was my, she was and taking class. notes. She couldn't help it. 12 o'clock at night, you're, fuck me, fuck me. I heard nothing like oh that. And I, it was the, that was like springboard into like, okay, what is going on with my life? What so when happen? you had a reputation then, because I know it's very different for a lot of girls are kind of shamed or whatnot for uh, having sex or being known to be sexual. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just okay. the part you guys don't know. You didn't know what happened. He was like, is he sending her a dick pic? No, no. <laughs> okay. um, so you said you had a reputation after that. And I know a lot of girls and women, when they are known to have had lot crazy sex, they're unfortunately, quote, slut Holes shamed. Sluts, and, yeah, right. which is terrible. And guys are sometimes seen as like macho and cool. Uh, what kind of reputation did you Well, the only in? reason my reputation was cool is because I was always discreet. My mother had golden rules. Look, certain things you don't do. You don't call a girl out a name. You don't do that. You don't call a bitch, slut, skank, hoe. Second, you always, you know, never put your hands on a female unless you're trying to defend your life. Like, you know, don't hit a girl. Third, if you have sex with a girl, don't run her name in the dirt. You can get it again. And she told me this in that conversation way back when, you know, so by the time I got to high school, 
I wasn't, you know, so I had friends who were girls more so than, and the reason the girls wrote in my yearbook is because I realized when you give a girl a yearbook page and they start in the corner and write down, they'll take up a, can I have this page? Sure. And they write stuff and they put KIT, keep in touch and put their phone number. Girls I've been trying to figure out how to talk to just gave me their phone number and said, keep in touch over the summer just because I gave them a page. I was like, right, right, women. And she was like, can I sign you? No, write your name, <laughs> give it to the girl. <laughs> but so the girls were coming to me telling me, oh, yeah, I heard about you. It was that. Okay. And that's really what you want. The guys try to get reputation with guys. I never wanted that. I never wanted so guys. It's not like you were aiming for it. It just no, happened by default. No. But the girls started saying, I heard about you. And I started realizing, what'd you hear? And then girls tell lies. See, guys, you got to realize, girls tell lies, too. There was a girl that I tried to have sex with, but it couldn't happen. She's a virgin. Da, 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 da. We didn't have it. And she went and told females that we had had sex and it was amazing. Oh, my God. Thank more, you. More reputation <laughs> points for you. <laughs> Thank you. But the girls came out. Oh, I heard about you. What you hear about me? But yeah. it got it started getting upsetting to me because I'm very discreet. So I was like, what is going on? Is that? I'm like, OK, how can I use to my advantage? <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> the miscon- the the what they think. You know, women are very big on what they think once what you the think, mind is very important in our yeah women love it so guys stop sending so many dick pics let her guess what your dick is like unless she, you know <laughs> she, if she says she, you something then yeah. or if she responds well right then, keep then it you're going. good then yeah, you're good let you, it flow but at least get to the point where you having a conversation below the belt something about genitalia or you might buy or it look like you might be you know yeah like, don't be hey, like hey always. what do you want for lunch and then send, right that's yeah. what you're messing up unsolicited dick pics <laughs> exactly gotta, uh, get that t-shirt i need to find that periscope is it still available i know they only stay up for like 24 oh, hours here's here's a social media tip for people join catch k-a-t-c-h dot me catch dot me k-a-t-c-h dot me and I'm catch.me forward slash Troy Rawlings. So you can see all my Periscope videos there. It, it catches It automatically your, does. You join nice. it, but you put hashtag catch after your Periscope, after your Periscope, or on when you're putting your broadcast information up, and it'll catch it. But then after a while, just you can sign up and it, you know, it automatically catch them. Oh, cool. So catch.me keeps all of your. So I'm going to go and I'm going to repost that one because it, it was a lot of good information and you can see the people responded well and they nice. didn't, they just didn't see it there. And that's what I try to do when I'm talking about stuff. I try to give people another way to look at things so they don't get so offended. We, we get very offended about sex, love, and relationships and divorce level is crazy. Women are getting abused. You know, men are getting abused. Nobody's getting what they want in relationship. It, it's just crazy. It's, you know, and so much of it is that lack of communication or right. just just having conversations in general and, and not just one. So many people have like this one official sex talk, right. you know, with parents and then it never really comes up again. Right. So, yeah. And then you're huge. just talking to you. Here's the thing. You want to get the sex talk out the way, but you, you have a lifetime of talking to your child, even when you're 80 and they're 60 or 50 about love. Yeah. Because that's the thing that jacks most people up. Because sex is easy, you know, for the most part. <laughs> you know, sex is easy. You can work that out. But the love piece, most people don't stick around to do what love is supposed to do. And love is Takes love, more work and love sticks around. Right. <laughs> love perseveres. And most so, of us want that, you know, yeah. no matter what our relationship desires are, yeah. or orientations, or whether we want marriage or not or whatever. Most people do want to feel loved and yeah. accepted. And, and and that really intimate connection, that's something I had to learn, too. Coming to L.A., there's such a there's a huge kind of um, casual dating, casual sex climate here, mm-hmm. more so than other places, I think. And it was great for me because I came here newly divorced and I was very 
into that at the time. Let's go. Yeah, bring it on. But it was also a a big learning lesson for me. This is before all the girl boner work. Uh, I realized that you can hurt guys too who, who think that you are going for more. Yeah. And and it's so important just to have the simplest exchange. And guys look at you and they're like, oh, man, she's so beautiful. And then the the sex was amazing. And it's that you don't know guys have conversations like that. They may have them with themselves sometimes. It's like, dude, this is the we say it really quickly. Dude, she's the she's the missus. She's going to be. And that meant all that other stuff. Yeah, that meant all that stuff. Oh, my God. You just don't understand. He's just so into me. And he was like, dude, she could be. I wish guys were more encouraged to say those things because it feels like there's a, a concern about fe- appearing too soft or something. Whereas it's so sexy to a woman to see a, for a man. To Just be not knowing ladies, let me say this to you. Men still the word in awe. A man can see you. And it's like, I saw this guy at the bar, but he's just giving me this creepy look. He never said anything. He never came over. He never did this. He's in awe of you. He's in awe of your beauty. You know what women used to do back in the day? They'd smile, bat their eyes, and wave their hair and just give the guy the head. Come here. Like or language. give them the finger. Come You see it in the movies and stuff. Come but here. not oh, the finger called. finger. Like no, the, not the finger. Like not. the come hither finger. Right, the come hither finger. Not the, huh. You know, <laughs> you do that. It's like, dang, she already got an attitude. Don't start with an attitude, ladies. Right. Get Stay feminine. I, I like feminine and masculinity we're losing those guys are getting more feminine women are getting more masculine and we're losing the things that make women and men who we are and i think that's like that's that's a part of the whole mixing yeah i think it's like the power of femininity is ridiculous well i think femininity a big part of femininity is strength and i think a big part of masculinity is sensitivity i just you know and it's unfortunate that i think there's so much pressure to to not embrace those parts of ourselves yeah all fathers and men from back in the day they had their sensitivity as a man but they were a man you know and it was so it's like but i know a lot of roles have been reversed i know a lot of women are working and they're powerful and they're business owners and stuff like that and they may not have have had a mother who was married and say this is how you do this with a man and men yeah he seems stupid baby but let me tell you you're the neck he's the head if you break, everything ends. So let me tell you, you turn them, you do what you want to do. You know, it's it's like you don't have any. How many women of wisdom, older women of wisdom are passing out knowledge to women in their ears of how to be feminine. But you really run the world, baby. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? If that's not passed down, just like men have to be passed. Affirmation has to be passed down to men. Sure. Something has to be passed down to the next person. Yeah, I'm teaching my daughter as much as I can, but her mother yeah. can teach her certain things. And to be a good, and I have to a be good there. person. You know, I think we're in a really, there's this weird sort of social narcissism I see where it's we about get me. so involved in ourselves. Yeah. Right. We, we are overly consumed with ourselves. Yeah, which I, is different than self-care and totally self-love, different. which is missing. I think that when we're totally self-absorbed, we kind of can't take care of ourselves. I was ourselves. watching this, uh, like lo- watching motivational speaking stuff like that i was watching tony robbins and he was talking about that he said you get to the point where you're so self-absorbed that nothing else matters you know and you can't get past i've seen people i've talked to people in relationships i've been in relationships like that and you look at the other person and like i just have to really focus solely on me there's nothing wrong with that when you're trying to achieve a goal but as people we're meant to be here to function and love and work together that's yeah. i think our main goal is being people we're supposed to work together and uh, i'm getting deep i'm getting deep i'm about to go into a whole nother <laughs> that's good i you know what i love that though i love that we can talk about all of that because it's almost like in our culture we see this sort of dichotomy where you can either be deep and very philosophical and interesting or you can be very casual and 
you know, shallow and sex absorbed. And I think having the conversation where we pair, you can talk about it all. We can talk about the dick pics and we can talk about, you know, these societal issues. I think, you know, all of it needs to needs to happen. And that's that's one of the things that that it's the biggest thing that um, I think people need to be their whole self. It's the best way to survive. Don't be ashamed of, and especially going back to the women, I want to get to your other questions because I don't know how much time we have. Yeah, but I want to, um, but I don't want women, women, you are the most awesome being in the freaking world. You know, you, you're phenomenal. You run things. You're great at, but you really have to recognize your power, not try to abuse it. But also, you know, because I've talked to women, so many women say, how do I find a good man? How do I find a man? Stop trying to find a man. Just be the woman you are and embrace every part of you. Yeah, but how do I do I used to have a woman, one of the shows was like, well, when do I let out the freak? I said, you don't have to hold back the freak. <laughs> the freak's a part of you. I don't I don't agree with the whole 90 day rule and stuff like that. I know people that yeah. waited until they got married before they have sex. They were both virgins. Couldn't last six months. I know people that fucked it the first night they met in the club and been together 40 years. So that's totally on the individuals how you get down. I'm not here to judge you on that. And. There's some people that have taught me phenomenal things that I may not agree with their lifestyle, but they are my mentors. You feel me? So so it's it's really embracing every part of you. You know, if you got some freak in you, guess what? Your stock went up, believe it or not. You just got some, you And you're going to meet somebody who's more in line with you because right. if you're hiding parts, I feel like there's too much strategy. It's there's like too much strategy. And right. it's I don't want to actually... hide my whole past because because what? What you going to un let loose 20 years down the road. Well, you know, I used to literally, I paid my way through college sucking dicks. Like, what do you mean by that? I uh, suck dicks to make money in college. What What are you saying? You were a hoe? No, no, I wasn't a hoe. They just knew me for a second. I yes, passed my classes. <laughs> this is what I did. You know, whatever it is, you know, yeah. guys talking about guys and oh Lord, California guys that are bisexual, you know, um, you might want to let a sister know that up front. You know, when you have this conversation, my first book is called Conversational Foreplay, but it's butt neck and honest. Conversational Foreplay for Dating. You can get it on relationshipcomedy.com. But I talk about this. Ask all the questions and stop beating yourself down if you have a one night stand with somebody. All of a sudden, oh my God, I didn't know. I slept with him the first night yeah. we went out. Come. Women feel a down. lot of shame around that. Yes. And we're just as interested. So it's like, and just guys, guys too. Ex- thank you. Yes. And guys, guys too. <laughs> high five. High five. Did they, am I on camera? Could they hear that? Oh, no. <laughs> Good. Could you hear the high five? That's a high five. <laughs> guys do. Yep, guys yep. And, and guys are trying to get over, especially a guy that taps into love. Guys are still trying to get over his last relationship. Believe it or not, ladies, yes. So, and women, they're finding ways to get through it too. She has ways to cope. She has her girlfriends come over. They do wine. They drink, I, eat ice cream, drink ice cream make and eat wine <laughs> when they get crazy. You know, they doing all these things to try to, and she's trying to find her better self. And I used to put myself through a lot of stuff and all this. And she's talking it out because women are linguists and they talk it out. And the guy is just like inside hurting like he still doesn't understand how he can't get her back or how he can't do this. or You know, it's a lot of stuff people go through internally. Sure. So I love to have a forum when people can put whatever they want in a in a bucket and I can pull them and no one knows who asked what because, you know, I want to. Yeah, people love that. Too, Speaking. Right? Yeah, we'll get back to these questions. We have about five minutes here. So I'm okay. just going to throw you three quickies. OK, nothing um, wrong with a quickie. You know, Amen. ATP against Amen, the wall, brother, and <laughs> brother. What's your idea of a perfect date? Perfect date. Man, let me break it down to you. First date. Sure. Okay, I'll go with the first date. Perfect first date. Um, not dinner at a great restaurant where we both love the food. Not a movie. 
because of perfect first date, I want to talk to you. I want to ask all the questions. I want to go from where you were born and what's your last name and your middle name to um, were your parents together to what's your favorite sexual position? Have you ever had a threesome? Do you have any STDs I need to know about? Perfect date for me is like coffee bean, walk in the park, sitting, chilling, first date. Because I get to talk. We get to talk to the It's point. all about the conversation. I mean, your first date should talk so much that you'd be like, man, I, My I jar hurts. should I really... uh go to town on this person because we know everything about each other which you don't the reason i say you should ask as much stuff as you want to up front is because it takes a lifetime to get to know one person true so you're not going to get it all in one conversation 10 12 10 000. um for me a perfect date going out having some drinks great conversation chemistry i'm all about chemistry i don't care how the person looks really uh you have to be attractive to me but i've seen certain people that some people are like oh man you like her a friend of mine asked me years ago it's like troy you were dating this one sister bad body this that, another then you got your, your girl now she's you know she's pretty but she's a little, little hefty he's like what's your type i said i don't have a type it's chemistry yeah I think that's true for most people, but they think they have a type. They think they have a type. No. Yeah. You don't have yeah. a type. Or I don't think we I've heard people say a lot of times, we just we're just not compatible. You're of a female, he's a male. What do you mean? You're already compatible. Unless you're gay. Unless you're gay. Yeah. Right. It's it's unless you're or well, it's really gay, because if you're bisexual, you're already attracted to both. You you right, mentally you could and be. Yeah. you're, you're mm-hmm. already attracted to both. You're wired that way. Most people don't. That's a whole nother conversation. Most people don't realize. They're like, oh, bisexual. They're just, it's they're just stingy. No, no. You have to. I'm not attracted to men and women. Yeah. And I've tried to look at gay men and say, okay, do I can, can yeah. I see anything? And no. And it's no. a whole spectrum. Some people, you know, it's it's not so like bisexual yeah. means you're 50 50. No, no, <laughs> you know? no, no, no. Yeah. No, yeah. it's We've just the fact that, that you can be a, the fact that you can be attractive to both. That's yeah. something that's wired in you. It's not. Right, it's right. not a. It, it's who you it's, are. It's who you are. Exactly. So so it's it's really um on a dating tip. A good date for me is is a lot of conversation, entertaining, stimulate my mind. You know. So is you that your biggest turn on? Because that's another question here. Uh, the, the biggest turn on. Oh uh, yeah. If you can stimulate my mind, because I'm I'm tired of fucking dumb. I don't want to have to. Whew, that was good. Oh my goodness. What you about to do? Huh? I I got no real plans. I just uh. Sit here, uh, got to go to work tomorrow. Enough of the small talk. Yeah. Uh, you see my shoes? Yeah, we had no shoes in here. Okay, I see. Yeah, that <laughs> You know, it's like, well. mm, sure. what do, where do you click? And Absolutely. can you can you stimulate each other? And can you support me? Are you motivate Ladies, if you can motivate a man or whoever you're with, if you can motivate somebody and encourage them oh my god that that for me if you if you can motivate me and encourage me and i I see where you're going and and continue in that mode even when it seems like it's oh people that motivate me and encourage and stimulate my mind i'm with you there i think i just did the rock hard symbol but you guys can't see that that was like so sad you'll have to post a picture of that on instagram (laughs) or something um and your biggest turn off uh mean people Mm. complainers Negativity, yeah. Negativity. Yeah, negativity is my biggest turnoff. Even beyond, I used to say if a woman's too loud and all over the place, stuff like that. But that can be funny sometimes. I'm old. I'm, you know, getting older. I'm 40. So that that's funny to me if I see somebody that's loud and fun. If they're loud and, and fun. And it's part and, of their and, cur- Yeah, it's person, part of their personality. You know? You know, yeah. I had a friend that, oh, my God. I had a friend that came to one of my tapings. My first tapings in Los Angeles where I had a development deal and they brought cameras and everything and they're doing my show. It's amazing what you do, Troy, just talking to people. And they t- they just open up because I can get in a room with people and they just start opening up about stuff they've never said. And people are like, I can't believe they said that. And she's she's 
drunk with wine sitting under one of the main cameras. We couldn't use any of the footage because I, she wouldn't shut the fuck up. Oh, no. And that was her nature. And I was yeah. like, she was, I know you were so mad at me that day. I said, you know what? Until I realized that was you. Wow. You just can't shut the fuck up. And you're cool. But you just can't shut up. <laughs> but, you know, so yeah. whatever your personality is. But biggest turn off is negativity. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like because everybody has problems. And it's your outlook on the world. You know, that, yeah. that really paints the rest of your life. We all have bad days. We all have things that come up. But when it's everything out of your mouth is something negative yeah. or most of it, it's just it's, you know, optimism is such a big I think it's a really smart and, you know, empowering way to live. To Plus, try I to believe I believe you can create new. Yes. You can create new if you speak something new. You know, yeah. if you speak it, in, you can create what you, you can speak your relationship into a better place. Sure. You know what I'm saying? If you have the right chemistry and you can really encourage somebody. But if you encourage and then all of a sudden, it's, it's, I feel for people that's in a relationship. Every time you encourage somebody, you're like, yeah, I know. But. Yes. Because language also <laughs> shapes our experience, right? Yeah, so yes. if we're talking always, because you can talk constructively without it being negative and just yes. say, we need to work on this instead of, boy, this sucks. And then this is something I told, um, I uh, was talking to a friend of mine. I said, people need to stop waiting until you have the terrible bouts in your relationship, the fights, you're going, you're the last thing and you say, all right, let's go to therapy now. It's not going to work. Let's get a book now. You know, that's Troy's book on his site, relationshipcomedy.com. Or it's, it's, so a, it's a great uh, plug. But there's a great book called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff in Love. I, I tell people about this book all the time because I bought it seven years before I read it. Had I yet read it seven years ago, I might be married now. I don't know who. But it changed certain books and things change your mentality. Those who read together lead together. Can you read with your mate? Can you read with somebody? Can you guys go to a bookstore and kick it reading a book or a library or just, you know, can you stimulate each other's mind? Because then when hard stuff happens, you have the tools. Most people don't stay together because they don't have the tools. Very, very good point. Yeah. And I'm so glad you mentioned your website again. Tell us where we can learn more about you. Relationshipcomedy.com. You can always Google Troy Rawlings, T-R-O-Y-R-A-W-L-I-N-G-S, but relationshipcomedy.com. You can go in there and put your anonymous questions like um, August does as well. And, and, and well, put your questions. I'll, I'll post them anonymous, give you a fake name, and, and uh, I'll be on Periscope. And go. you can find me anywhere. You can Google me. You can find me. But relationshipcomedy.com, you can find me, my books, and everything. Beautiful. And I will share links in the show notes, too. So we'll make sure people have those. Yeah. yeah. We'll be following you along. Uh, for more Girl Boner Fun, be sure to visit my website, augustmclaughlin.com. Connect with me on social media and subscribe to Girl Boner Radio on iTunes, where you can oh. also leave us a simple review, if you so kind. Uh, while you're at it, I'd love it if you would tell your friends about Girl Boner, especially those who could use an added dose of empowerment. Can't, right? To support Girl Boner and get some fabulous intimacy products, Shop at Good Vibrations by clicking the ad in my website. Thank you so much for joining me and have a beautiful girl boner embracing week. <laughs>